Welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown. Colter Nuanez. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you on Monday, broadcasting from the ESPN Missoula Studios. This podcast featuring Montana State head coach Jeff Choate. His press conference from Monday afternoon, Monday, or I guess late morning, addressing his team's upcoming matchup against Norfolk State. Bobcats coming off a 23-14 victory over Western Illinois, the first non-conference road win of Jeff Choate's career. Bobcats now 2-1 on the season. They've won two straight, and they're up to number eight in this week's Stats FCS Top 25 poll. I have a vote this year, which is cool, fun. I really appreciate Craig Haley and the boys for providing me with the opportunity to voice my opinion when it comes to this stuff. But that's here and over there. I had Montana State number nine this week. I do think their top ten ranking is justifiable, even if they did not look pretty on Saturday. And as you'll hear, there's a lot of mitigating factors to that. Jeff Cho went over a lot of them. But at the end of the day, a win on the road against the Missouri Valley squad, even if Western Illinois did lose 23 players from last year's team, a good victory for the Bobcats. Uh, the good for the Bobcats was the defense. Uh, the great was Logan Jones stepping up. Isaiah Fonse out with a uh, what I hear is a bone bruise in his knee, but it sounds like he'll be coming back. Jeff Choate did say as much following the game on Saturday. Carl Tucker was also not dressed out for the game, senior running back. So Logan Jones stepped up 167 yards, including an 87-yard touchdown. He also scored a 14-yard touchdown. So if you wind it back, Logan Jones had three touchdowns in four games last year, and now he has a touchdown in each of the last two games. So six total touchdowns in the span of count them up seven total games for Logan Jones he was able to maintain his red shirt last year uh, despite playing in those games because he only played in four so go check out the the story I wrote about him last week uh, on skylinesportsmt.com just about his trials and tribulations and everything he's gone to Montana State also gets a Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week nod for Kristen Bailey. He went 3 of 3 kicking field goals, including two field goals in the fourth quarter, a 41-yarder and a 47-yarder, and it was pretty windy there in Macomb, Illinois, so those were both good kicks. Tristan Bailey now 7 of 7 in his career against Western Illinois on field goals, so that's the team he definitely likes to play against. As always, this podcast presented in part by Selway Armory. Go check out the new Selway Armory in Bozeman out there, Jackrabbit Lane. It's a great store, huge space, tons of inventory. Selway Armory has as good of firearms and as good a service in terms of learning about the firearms as anywhere you will find in the state of Montana. Great ammunition selection, great rifle selection, handguns, whatever you're in the market for. Go check out that new Selway Armory out, Jackrabbit. You will be impressed. This Podcast also presented in part by Town Pump Food Stores. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump close to you. Whether you need food, gas, something to drink, a snack, lottery ticket, whatever you need, Town Pump Food Stores has got you covered. Jeff Choate from his press conference September 16th leading up to his team's game against Norfolk State. Uh, exciting week here at Brick Breed and Fieldhouse, Bob Seeger. It's going to be a big time. Yeah, uh, Bill is extremely excited. It's been awesome to have as they're setting up some old-time rock and roll. And so uh, we're, we're enjoying that. That means we get kicked out of our meeting space is what that means. So uh, that's always an interesting week for us. But anyway, long story short, uh, congratulations to Daniel and the volleyball team for their sweep in Missoula this weekend. That's awesome for Bobcats Athletics. Uh, proud of those girls and what they're accomplishing. And Daniel and his staff doing a great job. Um, happy to get out of Macomb with a win. Really not excited to go back there anytime soon. Uh, the trains, planes, and automobiles to get there five hours on the way back. Uh, tough place to play. I, as I mentioned a number of times going in, I mean, I told, I told people last spring this was a trap game. You know, you know you're going to have a great environment week two at home, and then you got to go there. And they are good at home. And now I know why. 
There's nothing easy about playing there. Nothing easy at all. Um, the atmosphere is not great. The walking back and forth to the locker room is, you know, I mean, we may as well walk back to the field house. It would have been shorter for us than what we had to experience there. And, uh, you know, there's no time to make adjustments. It's basically get there, get the guys hydrated, get them settled down and relaxed, and you've got to go back and play again. And that's why they're 12-0 uh, over the last 12 years. Well, I guess they're 12-1 now in non-conference season home openers, including their last three Big Sky opponents before we went in there and got the win. And so uh, it's a tough place to play. They knocked off really good teams there last year. Youngstown State, Northern Iowa were teams, and Montana were teams that they beat at home a year ago. Uh, I don't think we played our best football by any, by any stretch of the imagination. It was a sloppy game. We had 12 penalties for 92 yards. But here's the real story on those 12 penalties. It took away two touchdowns, a possession, and 263 yards of field position. So that had a huge impact in this game. 21 flags is too many in any contest. It's too many. And so regardless of who they're being thrown on, at some point in time, you got to let kids play. And so that was frustrating. Uh, it's very difficult to overcome the momentum that's created in those situations, and then it's gone. And so I think that's a different ball game if we play a little bit cleaner. Um, but they had their chair mistakes too. And so it was, uh, it was not a <laughs> – I'm sure – I mean, I, I, from what I understand, the, the, I mean, it was so hard to even get somebody to tell you when the TV timeouts were. That's how bad it was. I mean, it was not a great environment. It was not well organized. I don't know anything else to say. But it is what it is. We got the W. We're moving on. And so, um, with that being said, Norfolk State, Coach Scott, uh, hired several years, years ago from Virginia State University, a Division II school, did a great job there. And you can see what he's building at Norfolk State. I mean, it's a hotbed of talent. There's tons and tons of football athletes within a 100-mile radius of that campus. Uh, they opened up the season against one of their bitter rivals right there in their own backyard, Old Dominion, gave them everything they wanted, man. It was a great football game. Really, you could probably make an argument that they – and I'm sure they feel the same way that Norfolk let that one slip away. Uh, they played another FBS opponent this last week in uh, Coastal Carolina, who's pretty doggone good. They went to Lawrence, Kansas and beat Kansas two weeks ago, and then Kansas turns around and beats up on Boston College this week. Uh, that's college football. Uh, they got a, a home win uh, against a Division II opponent, Coach Scott's former team at Virginia State. I would describe this team as athletic and opportunistic. Defensively, uh, they've got a veteran defensive coordinator, Coach Tressy, who's been around a million different places. This guy is really sound and fundamental. I mean, they play, basically play post-safety defense the whole time. They're based out of a four-down front. They rarely, if ever, blitz. Less than 5% of the time are they going to bring pressure. They're very sound. They keep things in front of you. They make you earn it. A lot of teams end up kicking field goals in the red zone instead of getting touchdowns. And you can just tell that's their philosophy, kind of, hey, you're going to get you some yards here and there, but we're not going to give up the explosive plays. And when you get in the red zone, we're going to tighten things up. It's basically four under, three deep coverage uh, with some man-free concepts in there. Not a lot of movement, a lot of twists, unless you're on lo uh, extra long passing downs. Like I said, hardly any pressure. But very sound, good tacklers, athletic, long athletic defensive line. Uh, led up front by three guys that stood out to me, 18, their DN, 98, who has three sacks on the season, and 90, their big nose. That's kind of where it starts for them. I think one of their best players on defense is number nine, uh, Chavis, the inside linebacker. He's, he's probably a guy that can play just about anywhere. And when you watch the film, he definitely stands out. He's a 6'2", 6'3", 230-pound guy, can play tackle to tackle, but can get out in space and run as well. Really impressed with his athleticism, and they're a veteran group in the back end as well. This is a team that returns 18 starters from a year ago. And so this is a team that's been built, a lot of redshirt seniors, when you look at the roster, it's been built over time to have a chance to, I think, make a run in the MEAC this year and be a team to contend with there. And so I'm impressed with that. On offense, everything goes through number eight. Uh, he's their leading passer, their leading rusher. 
on in the red zone and on uh, short yardage and goal line situations, you're going to have to defend him. And that's whether the play breaks down or it's designed quarterback runs. It really doesn't matter. They'll have uh, some power read stuff set up for him. Uh, they, you know, just good old-fashioned zone read, which you don't see as much as you used to a few years ago. But he operates that at a high level. He's slick. Uh, he's not a big guy. List, I think, around six foot, 175 pounds. Runs well. Um, I told our guys yesterday he's kind of a short, shorter, you know, Chris Murray. I mean, he's very creates outside the offense. He's a problem. We haven't played a guy like that this year. And so we're going to have to be, you know, really disciplined in stopping the run, but also in knowing where that guy's at. And on third down, leveraging him is going to be big. I mean, he can extend plays and, and create chunk plays down the field, both in the, with his legs and his arm. And so impressed with his athleticism. He's got some weapons. Number 15, the big receiver. I think he's a really good player. Very, very athletic. And he's kind of got three running backs, five, 35, and two. Five and two are more similar, more compact, traditional kind of uh, one-back set guys. And then 35, he can really fly. I mean, he's, he's a kind of a scat back type of person. So, uh, like I said, I think their old line's athletic. They can, uh, they can get out and run a little bit. And uh, team speed is, is the thing that stands out to me. So, uh, like I said, veteran team and, uh, you know, going to be a good test force at home. Selway Armory is the best place to get guns, ammo, and accessories anywhere around. Don't believe me? Then take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway for a year, and you'll save enough to buy an additional firearm. After the remodel, Selway Armory has doubled their in-store inventory. And with a local warehouse, they can get you any product you want while regularly beating competition prices. Selway Armory is locally owned, with experts on hand to answer any question. Buy local, save money. Take the Selway Challenge. Selway Armory, 2425 Stockyard Road, Unit E6, behind IHOP on North Reserve. You mentioned coming back home, that environment to go from a cone back here to Bobcat uh, Stadium. What does that mean for your players? Well, I think one of the things it does is it helps our kids really appreciate what they have. You know, I mean, it's easy. I think it's human nature to always say, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. You know, but I think our guys, you know, you go to an environment like that and they're like, you know what, I'm glad I'm a Bobcat. And uh, so, I mean, it was awesome even coming on the field before the game. I mean, so many of our kids' families traveled out there and it was a, it was a good welcoming environment for them. And, um, you know, it's always good to be back in the friendly confines of Bobcat Stadium. And we're going to need our fans to show up. Hey, it's a 1 o'clock kickoff. You know, archery season's in, in full flow. I know that. But, hey, the deer are all coming into town anyway. So, you know, let's get out to Bobcat Stadium. And, and uh, we need you guys again. I mean, I think it was a great environment uh, a couple weeks ago on Saturday night. And we expect the same this week. What's the process of, you know, going to, like you said, trying to clean up some of those penalties? Just kind of what is the process like? Well, I'm going to, the, the penalties that I'm angry about are the pre snap penalties, the ones that are controllable. Offsides, roughing the punter, uh, you know, illegal formation, stuff like that. That's the stuff I'm angry about. I'm never going to take away our guys' aggressiveness. If we get aggressive penalties, that means we're playing the way we need to play. And so from time to time, we're going to get a block in the back, we're going to get a hold, you know. Quite honestly, for whatever reason in the kicking game, when you physically dominate somebody, the officials assume it's a penalty. And so if we're physically dominating somebody, I'll take the 10 yards and leave the message. And so that's what I want our guys to take away. Your first non-conference road win as a head coach. Talk about the breakthrough for the program. Yeah, I think the breakthrough was we weren't playing Washington State, South Dakota State, um, you know, I, but I think it was a big win. I mean, there was never, that, that was, it was a weird game. I can remember somebody about midway through the fourth quarter, somebody's like, seems like we've already beat this team three times. And it felt like that. Like, it, we, we kind of played down, I think, a little bit. But a lot of that credit goes to them. They were their home opener. They were excited. Very, very difficult place to play and win, um, which is well documented, like I said. And so um, the thing that I was impressed, our guys kept their poise. They, they never flinched. I don't think there was ever a doubt on our sideline as to whether we were going to win the game or not. It was just, you know, 
how close was it going to have to be based on some of the factors that we were dealing with. When you look at the way Casey's playing right now through three games, what do you think he needs to do maybe to just get a little bit more accurate on, on some of those throws, especially in the, in the quick Yeah, game? I think there's a couple things that go into it. Some of the mechanics, you know, are – it, it, tra weight transition is a big thing for him if he's throwing and not transition his weight to his front foot. The ball is going to have a tendency to dive because he has such a high delivery point. The other thing is I think he's squeezing the ball too hard. You know, when you kind of choke the ball, oftentimes it's not going to come out as clean. And so some of that's just being more relaxed. We knew we were going to deal with some, some growing pains here. And, uh, you know, certainly that's a part of the process. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to work on it, man. I mean, I think there was things that were open and available to us, certainly in the passing game. They had a good scheme. Every time 15 came in the game, they were going to crash and spill. And so, you know, we didn't adjust as quickly as we probably should have on that. I think there's some things that we could have done to take advantage of them overplaying the perimeter of our offense when we had him in the game. But there's a ton of things that were open to us in the passing game. And we had favorable matchups. And we've got to be more efficient there. Is three games enough of a sample size to kind of gauge where Casey's at as well? Is it, is it enough film for him to kind of take this next step for himself? Yeah, I think he's got plenty of reps. I do. I think not because we made this decision so early in camp. It's not just the game reps, but he's also had that extra two and a half weeks of practice where he was really taking the one reps. And so, um, you know, I think we, we know what he's not doing well. I mean, there are some decisions that, you know, obviously he'd like to have back, but I think he's making progress. Casey, I think, has done a really good job. I mean, it's, it's easy to criticize the quarterback. I get that. But here's what that guy's done for us. He hasn't thrown one interception, okay? He's taken, what, one, or, one sack in three games, something like that. You know, he's, he's been very, very smart with the football. And at the end of the day, when you're playing good defense, you can, you, you can take some chances, but you, you probably would be better off letting your defense play. And so I really commend him for staying within himself, making good decisions with the football, valuing the football for our team. And I think those are things that we can build on. Now, some of the, you know, some of the reads, managing the perimeter a little bit better when, you know, uh, not predetermining things, I think that's the biggest step for him. Let the game slow down, see what the defense is doing, make the correct read. We're not, we're not going through a three progression. I mean, this isn't go here, here, here. This is post safety, split safety, yes, no, do this. I mean, that's it. And uh, oftentimes, you know, you got to let it play out. You gotta, they're going to try to disguise coverage. They're going to bring pressure. And so have a little bit of patience, have a little bit of poise, and I think the more game reps he gets, the better he's going to be at that. What do you see as Quiz Steele's role offensively just kind of going forward? Yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's a really valuable guy for us because he knows, I mean, he's super smart. That's one thing maybe people don't know about Coy, that Coy is a really, really bright young man. And not just in the classroom, but between the white lines too. And so last year when, you know, when I was trying not to screw the wide receivers up, he was probably the most valuable guy on our offense because we were really down to three guys. We had Lance, we had, we had Kevin, and we had Travis at wide receiver. And then we kind of had some guys that really probably weren't ready to play. They could maybe figure out how to play X or Z, but Coy knew all the positions. And so when Johnny D'Agostino went down late in the season, yeah, that, was a, that was a big loss for us because Johnny was that guy. Well, Coy, without really having to take a lot of reps, just stepped into that role. He can play any position on the field. He has special teams value. And he's, uh, he, you know, he's, he's taken advantage of his opportunities, which is an awesome thing for a young man like that. Daniel Hardy, you know, he, he has all the physical tools. But what has the process been like of trying to improve his football smarts and kind of the finer points of the game? I think it's, he's a rep guy, you know, and I, a lot of guys are like that. You got to, yeah, it's one thing to see it, another thing to do it. And now he's got, especially this last week with Troy kind of being shelved a little bit with the exception of third downs, um, he got a ton of game reps and he just continues to get better and better and better. And as you said, he does have a, a tremendous skill set physically. And as he plays, he just gets more confident. Um, great teammate. I mean, a great kid, you know, yes sir, no sir, young man, comes from an awesome family, 
you know, and it's not it's not surprising you talk about Coy, you talk about Daniel, who they are off the field and who they are on the field. They're accountable, you know, smart, tough guys. That's who they are off the field. They're, that's why they're great teammates. That's why they're good students. That's why they're great people. How do you start to plan to preserve Troy kind of moving forward? Yeah, I think we got to look ahead to this conference slate. Um, you know, we play seven games before we get a bye, and it's going to be – I mean, you can see what's coming. coming. This league is going to be – it's going to be a bear. I mean, it's going to be really, really challenging. And, you know, you look at the numbers that NAU's putting up with Case back at quarterback, Sac State, new offensive emphasis. They're going crazy, breaking scoreboards left and right. I mean, you know, Montana's playing well. You've got, I mean, UC Davis is playing well. Obviously, Eastern drops one, but that's a tough place to play, you know, and, and going to, all the way down there and getting in a shootout. is going to be, I mean, it's going to be a crazy league. And, and you just, uh, there's always going to be that team that jumps to the forefront. Idaho rebounds from a couple of weeks and, you know, almost knocks off Wyoming. Weber State should have probably beat, you know, an FBS opponent in Nevada. And dang near did again uh, two weeks ago against uh, San Diego State. I'm not so sure that this isn't the best league in the country right now. You know, a lot of people point to the Missouri Valley. But I just think this year in particular with the, all the talented quarterbacks that this league possesses, um, the coaching in this league is really, really good. Recruiting's tough. I mean, this is a really challenging league. And so... Um, I know it kind of gets off subject a little bit, but my point is I want our best when our best is needed, and that's, and that's when we start putting all the chips on the table. How has uh, Lewis Kidge kind of embraced some of that physical element of his game? Yeah, he's always had that size and uh, kind of a nice guy, you know. Again, and again, another guy with great family, great, you know, it's a funny broken record, but those are the guys you want to coach, right? Um, and I think he knows now, hey, look, I can be a dominant force. And you can see him rolling his hips on contact and, and really embracing that physical mindset that we want on our offensive line. And uh, as he's gotten better and better, really over the last month, our offensive line's gotten better and better. And so we know what Mitch is going to bring. He's going to bring a huge edge for us. We got those scrappy guys inside, Denver and Zach. And Zach played really well this last week. Woody on the outside if they're at right tackle, really gifted but still kind of maturing and growing into his role. And then that glue guy in Lewis that, as he goes, kind of our O-line seems to go too, you know, with Mitch's leadership. Norfolk State looks to be another offense that runs everything out of the quarterback. And you guys have had success against offenses that kind of do that. But what's got to be different defensively against this team this week? Yeah, this team makes you defend all 11, which, uh, and, and that's not to say that, you know, SEMO or, or Texas Tech or, or Western Illinois didn't make you defend all. They just didn't have a lot of designed quarterback runs. I mean, if the play breaks down, you got to leverage the quarterback. In this situation, you're going to have to account for number eight in everything. Um, and, you know, we don't want to – the thing that it also changes is stylistically, you don't want to play a lot of man-to-man. You know, you got to be able to keep your eyes and zone eyes so that if he breaks the pocket or he gets into a situation where – uh, you know, it is a designed quarterback run. You don't have your back to the ball, and he's turning a six, eight-yard gain into a 60- or 80-yard gain. And so uh, having to, to defend the quarterback both as a runner and a passer changes things quite a bit. No matter how far you may go, there's always one just down the road. Down come who? Pump it up! Pump it up! Grab a drink and a protein snack for a deal. Town Pump is offering Sierra Nevada and New Belgium 12-pack cans or bottles for $14.99 and four ounces of Jack Link jerky for $4.99. Town Pump Food Stores, proud to be part of our community. feel with the group of corners right now, especially playing zone. I know a lot of guys, maybe Munchie and, and Ty Okada being out, are more man guys. How comfortable do you feel with some of those zone concepts yeah. with the guys you have right now? Well, the, the one guy who had a great game for us was Damian Washington this last week. And uh, 
Damien's a very good zone corner. And so we feel good about that. Um, we'll kind of have, you know, you'll kind of, you got Tyrell, who's really come a long ways in his preparation. And then you kind of got the young guys, you know, Eric Zambrano and Tyree Gibson, who are better at man because it's easier to conceptualize that. I got that dude. Okay, I can figure that out. Um, but I think we can protect them a little bit in some of our zone concepts. And we can play some match coverage at times, too, where we are covering them up with zone safeties, but they're essentially playing man style. Logan's role going forward, obviously, you jumped in for Isaiah. Huge day for him and really had the burst for you guys. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, he showed his speed a couple different times. But really, if you go back to the last four games, you know, we sat him, and I'm glad we did, against Incarnate Word in North Dakota State. So we preserved his redshirt year and gave that young man an opportunity to come back and have an impact over the course of the season. But if you go back to the last four games he played in, he was hugely impactful in those games as well. And so he's a guy who's uh, he's got a lot of ability, and uh, he's really taken care of his body better. He's matured. Uh, I think he's really maximizing this opportunity he's got to go one more ride. And, and uh, he's dynamic, man. I mean, he's going to pop a kickoff here pretty, too, pretty soon, too. And Lane Sumner, who everybody thinks they're brothers or something, you know, and, and, and they are pretty similar body types and skill sets. But, you know, Lane got to have, you know, it's like I'm going to have to listen to Damien for the rest of, I mean, Damien will probably live in Bozeman until the day he dies. And he and Derek Marks will go to the same church and they'll be arguing with their grandkids about Derek getting a holding penalty that cost Damien his only touchdown here at Montana State. And so, you know, it's kind of the way it goes. But uh, along those lines, that was Lane has to, you know, Lane has to live with that, that holding penalty on his kickoff return for a touchdown too. So only once every five years you get a fourth in non-conference game. Do you consider that an extra opportunity, and how do you relay that to the team? Yeah, well, I mean, we, it was almost weird for me to play an 11-game schedule. Uh, we'd always play 12-game schedule at the FBS level. And so I do think it's, I think it's really valuable because uh, I think it allows you to kind of find out a little bit more about yourself. Three games, it's hard to say. You know, because you can kind of have, especially with the, the way you can schedule, you know, I think you look at how we've scheduled this year. Okay, you schedule an FBS opponent, you know, hey, go compete, figure out a little bit about yourself. All right, then, yet, you know, we had a really good non-conference opponent at home. Um, and I think that gave us some, a little bit of a glimpse at who we could be. But then you got to go on a road, tough environment. And now you're kind of going, okay, maybe this is the best marker of where we're at. I don't know. Uh, knowing that you're going into league schedule and you've got to kind of balance it all. It's like, you know, I mean, there's some guys that, I think Isaiah might have played if this was, you know, NAU last week, you know, and, and so um, I, 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 you got to manage your roster maybe differently with the extra with the extra game, you know, especially if you're saying, hey, hopefully we're going to get into the playoffs and make a little run, you know, that changes that dynamic too because it's such a long season. I'm not, you, t you mentioned like like Munchie and Ty Okada. I'm sitting there going, okay, about you know week six or seven, we need the reinforcements to show up here, and so hopefully we'll get some of that as guys get more and more healthy. Where do you think uh, things need to improve on kickoff coverage right now? Yeah, well, we had pretty serious talk about kickoff coverage over the last two days, and not with anybody else besides those players. I think there's some effort things on the backside. I don't think this is a personnel deal. I, don't, I think it's just relaxing and not, not playing hard. And like I said, if the head coaches question your effort, that's a bad thing. And so, you know, that stuff, if, if, if I don't see vast improvement, I'll accept responsibility for that going into league play. Okay, but that's not... I'm not good with that. And so, you know, like I told them, we can't spot the teams on the 40. That's ridiculous. And so I don't think it's hang time and placement. I think Tristan's doing his job. I think we're blunt in the front side of it. But to the field side, we haven't been good enough. And so that's purely an effort thing in my mind. And then sorry, uh, on the other side of special teams, Tristan, it's hard to win a player of the week award in this league because there's so many teams, so many good players. But 
I imagine you think Tristan was pretty worthy of, of getting players. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't tell you. I'm at practice in the morning on Monday, so I have to rely on Bill to tell me what's going on. But I'm guessing you're telling me that Tristan he got did. special teams player yes. of the week. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's. I'm sure Western Illinois is glad that Tristan's never going to play against them again. So he's been uh, deadly against them, and uh, certainly those kicks were all. And it wasn't a good. I mean, you know, like at the end of the first half, for example, you're you're at the 40 yard line. Okay, we got 6.5 seconds left. You know, even if we get five more yards, I don't think we can make that kick. The wind died down a little bit in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter, but there was no way we were making a 55-yard field goal into that wind, kicking that direction at the end of the first half. And so, I mean, I was still in my mind, and I mean, after they called the timeout, I'm like, wind's kind of died down. I think we got a shot at making one of these here on this end, and he did a great job. I mean, it was kind of an interesting deal because it wasn't really, you know, in, it was a crosswind the whole day. And so it's the most challenging wind to kick in, and uh, he did a nice job, you know, and it was kind of a rebound because I challenged him. I'm like, hey, we're going to be 50% on field goals all year. Is that what the deal is here? And uh, he's like, no. And he was right. So, good. Cole, do you have one? Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, yeah, Jeff, just wanted to ask, uh, you know, third down, looking at how you guys did uh, this last week, just specifically on offense, what, what do you think you guys can kind of fix? Um, and yeah, I mean, what, what do you kind of well, get away from how you get out down? Third down can be fixed a lot by having a, a better first and second down. You know, that, that to me was, you know, we're not a very good team on third and seven plus, and nobody really is. And so um, I think that was, we got behind the sticks a lot. We had pre-snap penalties. We had negative plays on first downs, and that's uncharacteristic. And then, you know, even on second downs, when we've got easy throws and catches that can get us into a more manageable situation, I think that's going to be a critical part of it too. Uh, every defensive coordinator in the country would, you know, loves to be in third and seven plus because you finally get a chance to turn your guys loose and go get it. And we ended up in those situations far too many times to be efficient on third down. Um, now, if you flip it over on the defensive side, I think we were pretty good. And so they averaged 1.8 yards a carry. Well, obviously, we got them behind the sticks too, and we were able to get after the quarterback a little bit. And then, uh, you know, we were talking about Casey a little bit, but uh, it seemed like you guys had a really a lot of confidence going to Travis quite a couple times. Uh, just kind of what, what is your confidence in Travis kind of just taking those deep shots as often as he did? Yeah, we liked our matchup on two out there. I think that was probably the biggest part of it. I mean, you know, this team that we're playing this week, they've got some good corners. And I don't know that we'll have that kind of a one-on-one -on -one that we can just kind of point to and say, I think we can win that matchup consistently. Um, you know, and so, but I, I think Travis would tell you he's confident enough, hey, throw me the ball. And I think Kevin would say the same thing. And so uh, we've got to just do a good job of, of formation and teams into favorable matchups for us. And then, uh, identifying them and, and attacking them to try to ex exploit those. And lastly here, uh, I think you guys are up to eighth now in the stats poll. You, you mentioned that every win gets more important, I guess, as the season goes on. How do you kind of keep the intensity and focus uh, with every game getting more and more important, like you mentioned before? Yeah, well, one of the things that our seniors told us when they left us last year, and that was a good group of kids, and they were some really outstanding leaders. I think it was Tucker Yates. He's like, I think we need to treat every week like Cat Grizz week. And I said, well... I appreciate that, but that's a lot of emotion to expend every week. And he goes, well, I don't mean exactly the same, but just in terms of our mindset and our focus. And I think that we've really, our group of seniors this year has really embraced that. Like, you know, we need to prepare the same way. This, there's no game that's any bigger or any smaller than any other game. And uh, if you don't, then you're probably going to regret it. And so I think that was kind of one of the messages that was sent uh, by last year's crew and this year's crew's paying attention. No matter how far you may go, there's always one just down the road. Down, come, who? Pump it up. Pump it up.
Grab a drink and a protein snack for a deal. Town Pump is offering Sierra Nevada and New Belgium 12-pack cans or bottles for $14.99 and four ounces of Jack Link jerky for $4.99. Town Pump Food Stores, proud to be part of our community. Selway Armory is the best place to get guns, ammo, and accessories anywhere around. Don't believe me? Then take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway for a year, and you'll save enough to buy an additional firearm. After the remodel, Selway Armory has doubled their in-store inventory. And with a local warehouse, they can get you any product you want while regularly beating competition prices. Selway Armory is locally owned, with experts on hand to answer any question. Buy local, save money. Take the Selway Challenge. Selway Armory, 2425 Stockyard Road, Unit E6, behind IHOP on North Reserve. 